And on a Friday morning, we're joined by Deb Hutton on The Morning Brief, former senior advisor to two premiers, now in private practice. Nice to have you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, John. Let's uh, quickly uh, deal with Joe Biden's speech last night. I watched highlights. I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I, like a lot of people, I think, I sat down to watch some live television, and then I kept, you know, he was on like 10 channels. I kept thinking, okay, I'll watch this later. Um, <laughs> but I think there was an obvious strategy and an intelligent one in, first of all, saying that the United States will do anything it can to backstop Israel, but also to try and tie in the fact that Hamas versus Israel is like Putin versus Ukraine. Because for whatever reason, Deb, I'll never understand why for some Republicans, they want to, you know, having America having practically won the Second World War against Hitler, all of a sudden, American Republicans have decided Putin's fine, Ukraine, who cares? I mean, there's two pieces to this, John, as there always is in in government and in politics. One is the political side, which I think, as you've pointed out, given the Republican position, was a smart thing for Biden to do. And then there's the actual reality of what he did, which, again, I think was the right thing to do. And so I I thought I didn't listen to all the speech either. I was driving in and in and out and listened to uh, Richard Krauss, actually, on News Talk tonight, mostly. Mm-hmm. But I did think um, I did think overall what he did and how he did it was uh, was bang on. Uh, hate crimes are on the rise in Toronto, according to our police chief. The deputy chief will be on our show this morning to talk about this. And in particular, there has been a spike since Hamas invaded Israel on the 7th of October. And the vast majority of those are anti-Semitic. anti-Semitic yeah. we, we need to be very clear about that. And I understand there are... Uh, uh, Canadians in this country who are uh, worried for family members on both sides of this issue, but the vast majority of these crimes are anti-Semitic, and I think that actually has to be said. MPP Sarah Jama accusing Doug Ford of libel. How did we ever get to this point? It's ridiculous. It's kind of like, you know, in Bugs Bunny, where he keeps on using all these nonsense words to turn the bat into the vampire and the vampire into the bat. I'm just tired of them yelling at each other. Yeah, I agree with that. And I never think the the legal route is the way to go. It's kind of the last resort for me because I just think it, well, it does a a number of things, not the least of which is if she actually sues him, because this is a bit of a cease and desist letter, um, it'll it'll boot this down how many months and years down the road. Uh, I'll just make a political observation, though. This is good for Doug Ford, and it's bad for Marit Stiles. So as a conservative, I say, you know, keep going, lady. Keep going. <laughs> it's also funny. Mikey and I were watching um, some moments from the House yesterday, and I think it was Paul Calandra said something kind of inflammatory. And Mikey said, he can't say that. I said, can in the House, just not out. Well, and she's not been in the House. Exactly. And, and we can be, uh, I guess, sympathetic and empathetic that uh, she, too, has concerns about what I understand is family and in the Palestinian area. But uh, you got to come to work. You really do, especially if you're going to take strong positions that are extremely controversial in the legislature. Olivia Chow celebrating 100 days as mayor. I realize it's entirely arbitrary to measure somebody at 100 days, but also worthy exercise nonetheless. Yeah, and, and uh, look, no surprise, I did not vote for <laughs> Olivia Chow, and I actually worked actively to make sure she didn't get elected, so there's my disclaimer up front. But the things that she has done, 
I'm not happy with. So there is a new land transfer tax in this city taking effect January 1st. And you can say that, well, that's just for the rich people. But understand, as people move up in the housing market, it's a bit of a domino effect. And it opens up less expensive homes and then less expensive homes and then condos. I mean, there is a real impact when you add a new land transfer tax, regardless of what the cost of the house is for that tax. She's also looking at additional land transfer taxes. She's looking for a passenger tax at Billy Bishop. All of these new, quote, revenue measures are things that I think, unfortunately, we're going to see. So have they been implemented? Nope. Just the first one I talked about for January 1st. But there is a whack of them. And yet I have not seen much in the way of spending reductions as she tackles what is, for me, one of the number one issues, and that's the budgetary gap. National Capital Commission, which is a somewhat opaque and annoying organization, paid $8 million to replace a barn at Rideau Hall. Now, just to set the table here, Rideau Hall is the Governor General's residence. Apparently, it really was more or less a barn. They tore it down. They built a new thing, which is environmentally friendly. It's where they park the cars. Fine. But $8 million? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So here's where I'm a little bit torn, and maybe, maybe I'm just being weak on this issue, but I... I have, you and I disagree on this, John, I know, but I do believe there is a cost to some of our institutions. So keeping up 24 Sussex, keeping up Rideau Hall, I do believe we should do some of that. My issue is actually with the National Capital Commission, because they don't seem to be able to turn around without spending millions and millions of our tax dollars. So I think the real issue is changing how we uh, govern these buildings, how we operate these buildings instead of a political-appointed National Capital Commission that is, in my view, a crown corporation, it is, out of control and has been for decades. Yeah, so I, fix yeah. the problem but but you know, and, and make some decisions that are transparent because this was apparently never in their plan. And do we really need something that is that wonderfully zero emission? I'd argue no. Yeah. Well, and what I was going to observe is I never understand why things cost so much when executed by the National Capital Commission. I mean, I think they said the budget to restore um, 24 Sussex was like $35 million. And I get it. There's asbestos remediation, new windows, probably restructuring the foundation, all that stuff. But still, you do that to a Toronto house, you gut it to the absolute walls or, or you know, to the wood frame and rebuild, and it still only costs about $1.5 to $2 million. Yeah, the people that should be uh, overseeing all of these assets for the federal government and, and keeping them up, quite frankly, should be people who understand how to build, not people who are there because they know the prime minister or they, they know somebody uh, in government and have an appointment and are you know more worried about the artwork on the walls than the actual foundation. Well, and without dwelling on this topic forever, Mike Holmes actually did pitch a reality show where he would renovate 24 Sussex, but he would document it. And I suppose you know, on the one side, there might be security issues, but on the other side, it was just the sheer stodginess of the NCC that they didn't want to do it. We have found something to agree on, John. Okay. United Airlines, I know this story has been kicking around on social media for 24 hours. Uh, they're going to board passengers in the economy section, window seats first, because there's a theory that that's going to speed the process up. But you know, Deb, we've been boarding planes for 110 years, and we still haven't found a formula where there isn't somebody standing in front of you taking off their suit jacket and trying to overstuff overstuffed baggage over the, in, you know, in the compartment. Yeah, so your last comment is the problem. Because it used to be when, when my family traveled, we would check our luggage. You know, four of us, 
going when we do fly because it's not that often. We're going for an extended period of time. When they started to overcharge, in my view, when they started to charge, period, and then overcharge for luggage, you ended up with a whole bunch of people, my family included, stuffing stuff in. That is the problem. So if they fix the notion of of how much you can actually take on the plane, if they lowered the cost of luggage or at least only, you know, overcharged for the big suitcases or some formula that works that keeps the luggage off the plane out of the aisles, then that wouldn't we, we, we wouldn't have to have a different way of boarding. As you said, we can do it the way we've done it for the last however many decades. That's the real problem, because. They got greedy and everybody said, we're going to stuff everything we can uh, where we sit on the plane. Thanks a lot, Deb. Good to have you. Have a great weekend. You too, John. Deb Hutton on The Morning Brief.